Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're in a series called Financial Fitness, talking about being good stewards with what God has given you. But maybe you feel like, I don't have much. In fact, maybe trapped. Pastor Sean has an idea for you. The quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. Today's message is called Free at Last. Grab a Bible if you have one nearby. Pastor Sean is in Genesis chapter 39. It's time for Real Life Radio. I want to suggest that what we read of here in Joseph exposes and even explodes some very common myths when it comes to our own work. The first myth that Joseph kind of tears apart is this idea of a sacred and secular divide. You know what I mean when I say that? The sacred and the secular divide. That there are some areas of life that are sacred. They're God-inhabited, okay? We would say the gathering of the saints, the church, that's a sacred place, okay? Our work with the church, things. But then there's the secular. And that's kind of got a different set of rules, and it's where in our workplace, you know, all these different things. And, and there's the sacred, and that's wonderful, but then there's this is hard reality, this is a secular space. Joseph would say there's no such thing. This whole idea of separation of church and state, it's a great idea when it's talking about, in the Constitution, the state not using its power and its might to force the church into religious directions. But when you try to say, okay, but we're going to keep the church out of any public arena, how do, I, how do I actually separate church and state when I'm technically both? Because we are the state. It's the state of the union. It's us. We're the, gov- we're the people, right? It's the governance on behalf of the people. And I'm the church. How do I pull those parts out of me? How, do, how does that work? Joseph would say, you can't. There is no space. There is not one ounce of space that God's spirit isn't able to permeate and penetrate. God was there with me in a very secular place in Potiphar's house. Potiphar was not a believer. He worshipped foreign gods. had nothing to do with God. But God blessed everything he had because of Joseph. And Potiphar's like, I don't really know what that's all about, but keep it up. It's all good. Was Potiphar a believer? No. But God was blessing Joseph. And because of it, his entire house, his very secular place, God was there in prison. And God was working. God was moving. Pharaoh wasn't a worshiper of God. God was moving and working. There is no secular, sacred divide. Do you understand that? Do you know God knows your industry better than you do? If it's construction, God knows better the principles. And if there's going to be some new trade magazine that's going to come out with some new idea, new re- God already knew. Finance, banking, agriculture, whatever your business is, God knows it better. There is no separation there. And Joseph's story kind of shines the light on that. God wants to work in the context of your work. We have another misconception, I think, that success is measured by position. Yeah, Joseph had success in each one. And by the way, the positions were a slave and a prisoner. And then prime minister. We think success is measured by position. Joseph would say, no, it isn't. It has nothing to do with it. The word says he was successful in each position regardless. And that's tough for us because we really are into position. And we have our little signs and our little symbols. You know, If you get that one cubicle on the end that has an extra foot of space, that's a status symbol. You know, oh yeah, I got that cube. I can, I can turn around and do this in my cube. And look at that, did you see that? Yeah, I got a little gate in front of it, so if I crouch down, I got privacy. <laughs> now when I'm standing up, everyone can see me, of course, but when I'm down, and God help you if you get to an office. Oh my gosh. And then if you get to move to the corner office, you are Lord of all that you survey. And then if you get to move up a floor or two, 
be still my heart. We have all these little score-keeping things that we have to measure success. Joseph would say, no, that's not what success is. Success is actual good fruit, and God can bring it wherever you are. God doesn't need position to give you success. Another misconception we think of when it comes to work is prosperity is measured by money. We have no indication that Joseph had any money in any of these positions, as a slave, as a prisoner, but yet God gave him, it says he prospered him. We think, we actually equate prosperity with money, and that becomes a problem. One of the things that we've taught, and we always teach when it comes to finances, is that God wants three things very specifically for you regarding finances. And he wants you to prosper. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be free. And he wants you to have purpose and your resources to have meaning and purpose and do something good in the world. Those are three things that the, the word is pretty clear about. Prosperity, freedom, and purpose are things God has for you and your finances. And when you start talking prosperity, well, let me tell you, you can pack out a room. People start waving their hankies when you start talking prosperity. Mm, that's church. Talk about that, Pastor. Because they like that idea. Until I like tell the last part. And the last part is, God wants you to be prosperous regardless of how much or how little you have in the bank. And it's kind of like, because I was kind of liking the old idea of lots of money in the bank, meaning prosperity. That's not actually what it means. God wants to bless you, prosper you, wants you to be free, wants you to be empowered, effective, secure, regardless of how much or how little you may or may not have in the bank. In other words, he's not bound by that. He never promises to dump a boatload of cash on you. Sorry. He does promise to meet every need, to make sure you have plenty of resources, not only enough to meet your needs, but so that you can give and so that you can be a person who is full and generous and kind of a player on the big stage of what's happening in the world because of understanding his role in your life. But we think prosperity is measured by money. That's a big scorecard. And Joseph would say, no, it's not. See, Joseph would tell us that the secret to his extraordinary journey is a very simple thing. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's really important. The quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. The quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. That's the thing that Joseph did all along the way. He embraced servanthood. I'm a slave in Potiphar's house. I am going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to serve God first, but I'm going to serve my master. And because of that, everything under his care multiplied and prospered. He's unjustly thrown into prison. That's okay. I'm going to serve. Was he happy about being thrown into prison and falsely accused? No. It's not saying Joseph was crazy. But he was in prison and he said, I am going to remember God's here. I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve the prison captain. I'm even going to serve my other prisoners. Joseph would tell us, The quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. And I would suggest that those of you who maybe feel like your work feels a little more like slavery than like fulfilled, joyful, effective work, there's a powerful message for us here. The quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. Now, I just want to say we often fear, when we start talking about servanthood, we're like, oh, God, here it comes. Because we're, we're afraid of being taken advantage of. If I, if I start being a servant leader, if I start being a servant, people are going to take advantage of me. That's what, that's what happens. We fear that servanthood is leading us in the wrong direction. I'm kind of moving down. I, I want to go up the ladder because the ladder, at the top of the ladder, okay, I want to go up. Servants are moving down. I, I want to go up. 
And we fear, if I say I'm, I'm going to be about servanthood, I'll never fulfill or accomplish my dreams. And Joseph would look at you and say, are you kidding me? Servanthood is the secret to the fulfillment of your dreams. Joseph would say, you being a dreamer, that's one of the things that makes you one of his. His spirit wants to give you dreams and visions for your life. I'm not talking about every grandiose thought that ever popped into your head, okay? You know, I wanted to be king of the world and God said no, okay? It is what it is. I'm talking about that something in us that says, you know what, I was created for more. I'm not just supposed to be burning time on a clock so I can get to the weekend and kind of rest a little bit and then got to go do it again. This is not the destiny God created you for. There is something in us that says I'm destined for something more to make a difference, to, to have, it, have this world be different because I served the Lord in my circle, in my place. And Joseph would say that is exactly right. God has dreams for you and visions. And he wants to fulfill those. And the pathway to fulfilling the dreams and visions of your heart is the pathway of servanthood. Because it puts you on track with what God's wanting to do. And God will open doors through servanthood. Joseph's faith said these circumstances are not the final word. Ours should too. I want to challenge you. I believe servanthood is one of the best career moves you'll ever make. We want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called Financial Fitness. And if you'd like to hear this full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come visit River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now the conclusion to the message, Free at Last. This is Radio for Real Life. Servanthood is one of the best career moves you'll ever make. Now you remember, every time we talk about jobs or work, I kind of bring this idea up of these three circles, okay? The first circle is this idea, let's say we'll use the word gifts, okay? Gifts, your your abilities, your natural abilities, what you can do well, okay? The second circle is this circle called, we'll call it joy or passion, okay? Things where you find joy in. And, you know, we, we've talked about how kind of these have to match, okay? You might, I've used this illustration before, I might have a lot of joy and want to be a pro golfer, but if you watch my swing, you go, but you don't have gifts, so probably not going to happen, okay? No, but the joy, we understand the passion, you know? You're clearly uninhibited by any kind of form or discipline, so it must be joyful for you, but you don't have the gifts, all right? It's not happening here, Okay? So we've talked about that these kind of have to match. And we talked about third circle, really important. And we'll, we'll call this one purpose. Your, your, your values, 
the things that God's put in your heart that are important. And that's, that really, if, you, if you're kind of working in the area where God has wired you, that chances are these kind of are going to intersect. And if you can actually find a place where you're serving and, and you're working, you know, you're putting in your 40, 50, however many hours a week, 60 hours a week, and you're at that intersection, you're probably in a good place. The intersection of what you're good at and effective at, what you find joy and have passion for, and what, what matches your life purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you can find that, that's a good thing. Okay, that's all review. I want to say to you, I believe the decision to become a servant through the course of what you do will automatically raise your quotient on all of these. You, you think when you, if you went to work tomorrow and said, I am going to serve. I'm going to serve the Lord, but I'm going to serve my employer I'm going to serve my coworkers, the people who work under me, my team members. I'm going to serve our customers and clients. I'm going to serve to the best of my ability. Do you think you would all of a sudden be better at your job, that you would just be more effective? I think you would. I think you would immediately. And I promise you, if I had your boss here, they would agree with me. I want to challenge you. I think if we said we're going to begin to serve, and we'll serve the Lord first, but begin to serve people around us and serve uh, Purposes outside myself, I promise you your joy quotient will go up because there's something very deep and fulfilling in that. And I believe we'll find as we begin to serve, we all of a sudden find I have a way to connect my work, no matter what it is, how mundane I may think it is or how just regular, whatever it is, I'm connecting it. When I begin to serve the people around me, serve God by serving them, I all of a sudden am connecting to kingdom purposes and I've changed the nature of my work. By this simple decision that Joseph made, to begin to serve. I think the quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. Let me tell you a few key benefits of embracing servanthood. Number one, servanthood lets you choose your boss. This is so cool. Servanthood lets you choose your boss. Now, you may be sitting here and go, you don't know my boss. I can't stand my boss. If your boss is here, don't nod right now, okay? Like, let's say maybe you were a staff member at this church. Don't nod, because I can see the whole room, okay? Don't, don't do that. But you might just go, yeah, you have no idea how terrible it is. Servanthood, when you, choose, when you say, I'm going to become a servant, you realize you now get to choose your boss. In Genesis 45, 7 and 8, we see a moment when Joseph, you remember, and if, if you know this story, his brothers have to ultimately come and find grain because the famine is bad where they live too. And they have to come to Egypt. And they end up before Joseph. And it's a cool moment. If you're one who likes justice, you know, you'll like that moment, okay? It's a cool story. Read it. But they end up before him, and they're terrified when they find out who he is. And he says to them, no, 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 what? You, you don't get it. Verse 7 and 8 of Genesis 45. God sent me ahead of you, Joseph says, to preserve for you a remnant on the earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. He's saving God's people. His family was the seed of God's people, Israel. And then he says, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all of Egypt. It wasn't you who did it, it was God. Do you understand that? How freeing that is? When Joseph realized God was the one working, he could have sat in bitterness all those years and blamed his brothers and had his life fully in control in their hands of control. But he knew his life wasn't in their hands, it was in God's. And do you know you and I can make the same decision every single day? Choose who we're working for. Lord, I choose to acknowledge that you direct my life. And I choose to say I'm working for you. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, talks to actual slaves, the exact same position Joseph was in. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Now, some people look at that and say, well, the Bible advocates slavery. That's ridiculous. 
does not. It just speaks to Christians who happen to find themselves in the place of slaves. And it's teaching them the power that Joseph understood. Obey them, your earthly masters, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. You get to choose your boss. You get to go to work every day and say, I'm going to choose to serve the Lord. And that means I'm going to choose my employer. I'm going to, ser- I'm going to serve my employer. I'm, do- I'm really working for the Lord, but I'm going to serve my employer. Because that's what God would have me do. I'm going to serve my coworkers, my clients, my, the people around me, people in the office next to me. And I'm going to do it all to serve the Lord. Psalm 100, 1 and 2 says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. You can begin to serve with joy because your service is to the Lord. You're like, well, what does this all have to do with money? Well, in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus, as part of his talk on money, said, no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one, despised to the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I want to challenge you this morning, folks. Making your work all about money is a guaranteed way to become a slave. Making your work all about money is a guaranteed way to become a slave. And if we learned anything last week in this whole idea of the tithe, that covenant, and this idea of moving our heart from fear to faith, I don't have to make it all about the money. It is a good thing to earn your bread by the work of your hands. You should earn money to support your family. But understand that job isn't your provider. Who's your provider? That was lame. Who's your provider? Yeah, yeah, good. I woke you up there, didn't I? Some guy's in there. God is my provider, man. Dude. I was in REM sleep. (laughs) God's your provider. That means the government's not your provider, your company's not your provider. Those of us who work here at this church, this church isn't our provider. Ultimately, God is our provider. Do you realize the freedom that happens when you begin to walk in that reality? But when you make it all about the money, and you're always for sale to the highest bidder, you really realize you are digging a hole of slavery for yourself. Servanthood lets you choose your boss, who you're working for, and it's powerful. Quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. Second thing that servanthood does, it turns your job into a mission. Servanthood turns your job into a mission. Listen to this amazing study that was done. A team of researchers from University of Michigan and Yale studied together how people in what they consider to be unglamorous jobs coped with their often devalued work. When the researchers tried to think of supposedly unrewarding jobs to study, they chose hospital janitors. But what they learned took them completely by surprise. The researchers interviewed the cleaning staff of a major hospital in the Midwest. They discovered that a certain subset of housekeepers, it wasn't everybody, it was a team. They didn't see themselves as part of the janitorial staff at all. They saw themselves as part of the professional staff, as part of the healing team. That's what they were a part of. And that changed everything. These people would get to know the patients and their families and would offer support in small but important ways. A box of Kleenex here, a glass of water there, a word of encouragement. One housekeeper reported rearranging the pictures in certain patients' rooms who were comatose with the hope that some sort of stimulation or change in scenery might be helpful to their recovery. The researchers coined a term for what these special housekeepers brought to their job. They called it job crafting. Some of you should write that phrase down, job crafting. It means that people take their existing job expectations or job description and they expand them to suit their innate, their own desire to make a difference. Job crafters are those who do what's expected because, well, it's required. It's the job. 
But then they find a way to add something new to their work, something that delights, something that benefits both the giver and the receiver. One of the lead researchers put it this way, people who job craft don't just reshape their jobs to make life better for themselves, but to serve others in some beneficial way. That's what servanthood does. It turns your job into a mission, and everybody wants a mission. Something in our hearts wants purpose and meaning. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Imagine serving God at work and every job becoming a ministry. I get to love people. Do you realize if there are people in your sphere at work, you have an opportunity to do one of the most important missions in the world. In service to Father, you can love people in his name. It's coworkers, people who work nearby, team members, whoever it is. You can love them and thereby invest in the kingdom. You can build the kingdom. I'm not talking about preaching to everybody at the coffee break so that they don't even want to see you. They start avoiding you like, you know, some sort of multi-level marketing guy. Sorry, sorry, any of you, sorry. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living a life of love and service so that people just eventually go, dude, what's up with you? Don't you know people ask Joseph, how do you do it? And the Bible says, be ready always then to give an answer to everyone who asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. When they see you love and serve and live like Jesus at work, it makes their hearts hungry and you get a chance to advance the kingdom. Your work becomes a mission and it's powerful. And one of the beautiful things, you know, some people, there's different views about retirement. Some people can't wait to retire because like, I'm sick of this, I'm done. Other people are like, I don't, I don't want to retire. I don't, I don't want to be done. The good news about servanthood, you never retire. You can retire from a career and that's great. But those of you who are at that retirement age, let me tell you how this should work. If you're a servant of Jesus Christ, you go, you have the big trip, woohoo, have a great time, you know, go make fun of the young people who have to still get up and be there at 8 every morning, and whatever, whatever. But when the dust settles, sit and go, Lord, I still got 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Lord, I'm still your servant. What are we up to now? Bring it on. How cool is that? That's the power of servanthood. It turns your job, it turns your life into a mission. Third thing, servanthood brings the blessing of God. Servanthood brings the blessing of God. Remember, we read Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Well, verse 24 says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Ephesians 6.8, we read it, but I'll read it again in case you forgot. Because you know the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. That's powerful. Do you know the Lord wants to reward those who serve? His word promises it. A study was done with 132 patients who suffered with multiple sclerosis. And researchers in the study formed two different groups of people. One who met weekly to learn coping skills. They had a weekly meeting to learn coping skills. The other met monthly with another person who had multiple sclerosis kind of as a mentor and a kind of a guide. And they were trying to see what the best way to support these folks is. So they were really doing research to see who, which group fared better. And they were totally stunned by what they found because neither of the groups were the best. The surprise finding is that neither of those groups fared as well as the five MS sufferers who'd been trained as volunteers to give support. They, approved, they improved drastically. The study found that giving support improved health more than receiving it. Those five MS sufferers felt a dramatic change. Change in how they viewed themselves and how they viewed their lives and their potential. Depression, self-confidence, self-esteem all improved markedly. The main researcher said these people had undergone a spiritual transformation that gave them a refreshed view of who they were. 
Caring for others brought healing for the caregivers. It says our nervous system is wired to find satisfaction and discover our own well-being by seeking the best of others. God wants to reward a service. So what's that look like? Favor. Imagine favor. Favor with God, favor with men. Imagine having a sense of purpose and God's favor moving in you. The rewards of service, building and growing. It's a powerful understanding. The quickest way to escape slavery is to embrace servanthood. Last thing, and I'll wrap up with this. Servanthood leads to promotion. Servanthood leads to promotion. I am not promising that you will be prime minister of Egypt, okay? Which, actually, I'm told, is not a great job anymore. It was good for Joseph, not, not so much anymore. It's different now, okay? Servanthood leads to promotion, though. And you're like, well, you're stretching, you're reaching. No, I'm not. In Matthew 23, 11 through 12, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be your servant. And then he goes on and says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When God promotes, it's the kind of promotion you want, and it may be, it may be higher up in the organization or more responsibility, or maybe he keeps you right where you are, but you will be promoted. You'll have more influence, more connection, more success, more prosperity, more trust given to you, just like Joseph. People value service. God honors it. See, the word is true. Those who humbly serve find themselves exalted in the eyes of God and man. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Financial Fitness. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this whole series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. See all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Real Life.